Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I'm glad to be back. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Gil Grusin. Gil Grusin is the producer of the popular radio channel called Radio Preppers, and this is a ham radio YouTube channel. We are going to be talking about maritime mobile communications, ham radio communications. Gil is also an avid sailor. And he may share some of his experiences of sailing with us as well. Before we get on to the podcast, let me tell you what's been happening with me. My friend Neil Fletcher, a common contributor to this podcast, flew out. We went skiing at Deer Valley and also Snow Basin. And I had a terrible fall on my first run, or I guess probably the second run, on a very easy slope called Hawkeye on the north side chairlift at Deer Valley. I was skiing slowly, and suddenly my edges caught something and slammed me down on the snow. I was glad I was wearing a helmet because I probably would have been killed (laughs) with the force that I was thrown down. Forced my goggles over to my nose, and I got a little orbital fracture, a fracture in my orbital socket. So I have a bad black eye. That didn't stop me skiing. The next day, we still went skiing at Snow Basin, which is a little bit north of the ranch. Neil stayed with me up at the ranch. And my daughter and her fiancé also joined us. We had a wonderful day skiing up there. I don't really like to tell people, but I think Snow Basin is one of the great undiscovered resorts in Utah. It is absolutely beautiful up there. Anyway, let's get on to my interview with Gil. All right. This is take two. Believe it or not, I I got into a conversation <laughs> with <laughs> Gil Grusin of Radio Prepper uh, website, and we were well into our conversation, and I realized I'd, I'd paused my recording when I went home for lunch and didn't restart it when we started talking. So this is probably it's only 20 about, minutes. <laughs> it's only 20 minutes. So we're going to recover the same material that we already talked about because I think it's interesting. Gil is the producer of the Radio Prepper YouTube channel. It's also on Odyssey, and I'm going to put links up to this Odyssey channel in the show notes of this, and maybe put a special page for maritime mobile communications at the website as well. That takes time and effort. I'm not sure if I'll actually do that, but I have the best of intentions at this point in time. Gil is is also a sailor, and he told and he's going to tell again his story of him becoming a sailor and his adventures as a sailor. Go ahead, Gil. Well, it's it's a story of failing of <laughs> being a sailor. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say failing because I actually left the dock, and that's that was for me uh, that was that was an achievement was actually actually leaving, uh, and uh, I uh, I was in I was in Florida I used to live in Florida. And I had a plan to um, go on a long trip, basically. I wasn't quite sure where I would go, but, you know, being in Florida, of course, the, the next step was the Bahamas. So 
I left Florida. I think it was uh, mid-December. I think it was December 15th of um, 2015. And uh, so, in you know, in the middle of the winter, but of course in Florida, that's it's not a big deal. Um, and I was, uh, I wanted to arrive in West End, but I was pushed a little bit north by the Gulf Stream. So we ended up on the on the plateau uh, close to uh, Memory Rock, if I remember well. So I anchored out in about 40 uh, feet of water, and I the weather was changing, so I decided to wait it out, no, not take any risk. I was, uh, you know, a beginner, very much a beginner at sailing at the time. I'm, I, I still am, and um, I just waited a couple days. But the motion, the change of motion with the waves. Uh, you know, and when the wind is is opposite to the waves in the Bahamas, in the Gulf Stream, it is just horrendous. And so I was there for two days. I I got very seasick, extremely sick, very dehydrated, very tired, couldn't sleep. I was uh, basically banged up because the, I was thrown about in 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 the boat, and uh, uh, I, I even started to hear voices outside my boat and. At, at some point, I thought that someone might have been outside on another boat, you know, people chatting between each other. And I, I had to look outside, and there was absolutely nobody there, of course. And uh, so after a couple of days, the weather cleared, and uh, I started, I was able finally to uh, to drink some uh, some juice from, you know, fruit fruit cans, uh, canned, canned fruits. And... Uh, I, uh, so I gained some strength there. I mean, not much. I was very weak, and uh, I was not able to raise my anchor. It was a 35-pound uh, mantis, you know, very good anchor, but uh, just even 35 pounds with, you know, for me is nothing. I mean, really, uh, I'm, I'm six foot two. I'm pretty strong, but I was so I was so weak after those two days that uh, I could not raise my anchor. So I decided to cut it out. Raise the sails, I was able to do that. I don't know how, uh, because it's, I don't think it was any easier than the anchor, but who knows. And uh, finally made it after a couple of days to, uh, to West End. There, I started, you know, try to start my engine because uh, I wanted to enter port, of course, to check in. Engine wouldn't start, the starter wouldn't, wouldn't turn. So something got loose, you know, some connection, I'm not sure. Uh, so I decided to anchor in front of the beach there. Unbeknownst to me, uh, it was not a good place to anchor. <laughs> but I spent the night, and uh, I got there at like 5 p.m., something like that, spent the night there, uh, went in to check, uh, check in with uh, customs and immigration the next day, and uh, I uh, spent uh, the day on, uh, on the island. When I uh, went back to my boat with my dinghy uh, that night, the boat wasn't there. The anchor had dragged, and and the boat just basically uh, just just left in the Gulf Stream. And uh, you know, I, I you can imagine the the, the, the gut feeling uh, at that point. It was just just horrendous. Um, and I I didn't quite know what to do. Fortunately, I had my laptop with me, and uh, I decided to write the story on the cruisers forum. And the, the boat's name was Dagny, 
D-A-G-N-Y. And uh, some people might have heard the story or read the story because uh, it, it was quite publicized because a lot of people uh, tried to help me, basically. I got so much help from the uh, the sailors community or uh, the cruisers community. It was just overwhelming. Uh, people, you know, looking for the boat, people sending me, you know, $10, $20. Uh, I had an ex-FBI uh, agent help me out uh, who's, who's running a uh, maritime radio station. I forgot his name. Um, another gentleman uh, who has a tour, a tour um, business in the West End also. I forgot his name too. It's quite a few years ago. And uh, he took me on his boat the next day just for the price of gas. And we, we searched for 11 hours for my boat. Um, a famous uh, meteorologist also had uh, made a drift analysis. Once again, I forgot his name. I guess I'm getting old. Uh, and and we looked and looked. Everybody looked. Uh, the boat was never found. And after a while, I had to, uh, you know, I had to go back. Actually, I uh, I went back to France because I hadn't seen my parents for years, and uh, it was time for me to. Um, to, you know, to get back and be a little bit closer for for the time being, and um, so they live in the north of France. I uh, I'm originally from from France, as you can tell by my accent, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually, I I found a job in the south of France, which is a little bit better for sailing because uh, the north of France, the North Sea, uh, is not very uh, it's not a friendly place, and uh, so I'm in uh, Antibes. Uh, you know, between Cannes and, uh, and Nice, and it's it's a beautiful city, a beautiful town, and, and the sailing is great. And uh, so I I bought another boat, I bought a Havsfidra 20, which is a uh, also a double under. My uh, my other boat was Dagny was uh, Dagny was a double under. Also, it was a Morris Francis 26. And before that, I was restoring a. Uh, well, I'm not quite sure what it was. It was a 32-footer, also a double-under, as you can see a pattern there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a full keel. All those, those three boats were all full keel, of course, uh, double-unders. first one was a catch. Uh, close to a Tahitiana, but uh, with only one chine. So I'm not quite sure of what the design was. Um, uh, the second second one, the uh, Morris uh, Francis 26, and the third one is a Hafsfidra 20. So... I'm going down in size. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't my intention. It's that I just, I just, you know, I'm just broke. <laughs> yeah. You know, every now and then I will sail by myself. Most, most of the time I have friends or guests with me. But every, I, I usually, in the past, I like to give myself about a week to do solo sailing just to keep, keep my skill level up. Because when you're sailing by yourself... Sailing's easy, but coming in and out of port or coming into anchor is difficult as a, as a solo sailor, as you know. But uh, one of the things I am absolutely terrified of is when I'm at anchor, if I go to shore, I always worry about my boat <laughs> blowing away. And your, uh, your, your story is a good, reason, a good uh, me- a reminder you. that I do need to remember to be very careful. Sometimes I put out two anchors. But it's just oh certainly, and, yeah. and you can't imagine the, the now that it happened to me. I'm even more so. You know, I'm just paranoid, and uh, uh, next time I will be using a, some some kind of means to uh, to locate the boat, uh, like uh, like APRS. You know, 
have a little transmitter in the boat that, you know, connected to a GPS. And mm -hmm. so that not only you can, you know, I can find my boat, but other people who, who might be looking for it, helping out, uh, can find the boat too. So I will definitely have an APRS system on the boat, allowing me to uh, basically follow it if uh, if it gets lost, because the, uh, the Coast Guard won't intervene if there's nobody on board. Mm. You know, there is no there is no uh, threat to to life, so they won't. Uh, you know, and I call them, of course, you know, to to, to report the incident. But uh, they said, well, you know, they thanked me for letting them know that you know there was a hazard for a hazard to uh, navigation, but uh, they they wouldn't uh, they didn't look for the boat, of course, because there was nobody on it. Right. Yeah. You know. Interesting. And uh, absolutely. So having some kind of means to. Um, to locate the boat was definitely uh, uh, it's definitely something that I'm going to have absolutely next time, uh, without a doubt. You know, I got a, an ICOM transceiver just out this year that has an AIS receiver on it with a little uh, a little uh, screen that you can see where the uh, where the boats mm, are. I have one of those. Do you? Yeah, it's, it's not an ICOM. It's a standard Horizon. Well, ICOM came out with one as well, so I have the ICOM one. So. But what I don't like about it is once it once it alarms, you can't turn off the damn alarm. You can turn it off for a few minutes, and then it starts alarming again. So if you ever come into a marina, it's always going off. So you basically just have to turn it off because it just beeps all night. It will not, you can't turn it down. You can't turn it off. You can't say, okay, I'm aware of this. Uh, a glitch in the software. So I hope they fix that, and I can, and can upgrade the software on that. But... Uh, Have you read the manual? <laughs> <laughs> I did read the manual, and there's no way to turn it off that I could figure out. So <laughs> the manual left a lot to be des desired, quite honestly. But anyway. Well, that's, you know, you know, men don't read manuals, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I came across your YouTube channel uh, because I was uh, trying to build. I just bought a new, uh, a new transceiver, a... Uh, an IC, okay. an ICOM IC7300. That's a good one. Yeah. And, and uh, this is, I wanted to put it up at the ranch, and I wanted to be able to run an antenna. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll just run a wire up to one of the trees surrounding my house. And I wanted to find an NFED antenna. So you had actually a few videos out on, on balancing uh, vertical antennas with, uh, with a ballon, an unballon. And so I watched your your channel and made one myself from your design, from your instructions. And then I started looking at what else you had, and you also had a whole bunch of maritime uh, maritime radio shows and a whole bunch and lots of lots of QRP, which for the audience that means low yes. low wattage, less than five watts output. Um, and and so I've I thought you'd be I have not done on this podcast a a radio show uh, about communications and i thought this would right. be a good opportunity to talk to you about maritime communications ham communications and i'll briefly describe my entry into the amateur radio uh, arena and years ago i was actually always interested in ham radio a little bit because i thought well it lets you talk to people all around the world but i didn't really do anything until i was in my 20s uh, I, you know, like every a, a, every sailor, every potential sailor, you're frustrated because you don't have a boat and you 
don't know anybody that has a boat and you want to become a sailor, you want to learn to become a sailor, I, I started thinking, well, what can I do to prepare myself to be a sailor? And this is what I tell people to do. If you, if you don't have a, a boat, if you don't have a friend with a boat, well, just make yourself ready for when the opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. And it will. It always does. And uh, for me, I thought, well, okay, I'll read every book I can on sailing, just like you did, you told me. I, I sure did. Yep. And then I said, okay, uh, communications is essential. This is back in the 80s uh, or late 70s. And uh, so we didn't have Internet. We didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have satellite communications. You did have single sideband maritime band. Uh, but that's very specific. So I thought, well, the ham band makes the most sense. And I, to this day, I think every s- serious cruising sailor should get their general, at least their general amateur radio license. And so that's what I did. I studied code by riding my bicycle and listening to code, studied the theory, got the general, passed the general exam and really didn't do much. At least I had it. So when I went sailing, I bought a a Kenwood TS-440S transceiver, which covered uh, all the amateur bands, uh, all the high-frequency amateur bands. And the high-frequency mm-hmm. amateur bands are the amateur bands that are not line of sight. They will The signals will buy, bounce off the ionosphere, and you can get long distance by bouncing off and off, off the ionosphere, back to the earth and back up. And uh, and then I tuned my uh, backstay. I made a backstay antenna. That means my backstay has two insulators, two backstay insulators, and the conducting unit I tuned to 20 meters, uh, or about yeah, so a half wavelength of 20 meters, so 10 meters backstay radiator, and then a coax cable down from that and to ground, and then to my transceiver, and. I think I need to improve on that. I'll pick your brain on the best way to do it in the future. But that's what I did. And when I sailed across the Atlantic, I was able to communicate with a man in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to the Azores. He was communicating with some missionaries in Africa. And he came on every night about the same time. And I would talk to him, and he would relay back to my wife my location and let her know that everything was fine until I got to the Azores. And once I got to the Azores, I went past the Azores. I couldn't hear him anymore, but I could communicate with the people he was talking to in Africa. And so I would tell them how I was, they would tell him, and then he would tell my wife. And so for me, I, amateur radio, I think, is essential, especially for emergency communications. And, uh, you know, I... And and I want to encourage people to go down this path. Now, I did modify my radio by cutting one diode inside the radio so I could transmit on all the frequencies. So I could transmit on the uh, maritime single sideband, even though supposedly it's illegal. I I still did it. Nothing's illegal if if you need it in an emergency. But I could could my antenna would not match that i was just far enough out of the match of my antenna that i could not transmit on the maritime uh, single side band the maritime 20 meter band yeah, but mm-hmm. it was close but not no cigar and even though there's an internal tuner in the transceiver it just wouldn't tune that mismatch so when i put my radio gear back together on the boat I need to figure out a way to, that I will be able to do that. And I plan on coming back across the Atlantic in another year or two 
and I want to have my ham radio working for that at that point in time. So, and, and I will be listening. <laughs> good, good. So let's talk about um, the uh, the procedure of getting into amateur radio from from your perspective. Well, the, the way I did it uh, at the time I was in the U.S. and uh, I I specifically wanted to. Uh, well, you know, I had done some CB when I was a teenager, like like most people, and uh, lots of people start with a CB radio. Uh, the only problem with CB is that the frequency is pretty high. It's 27 megahertz, and 27 megahertz doesn't skip, you know, refract on the ionosphere uh, uh, lots of the time. So it's it's it does happen, but it's it's not reliable. So you can't plan on using, uh, you know, the upper uh, HF, uh, you know, in the 30s, you know, uh, anything above 20 meters, basically, uh, above uh, 14 megahertz is going to be difficult because it's going to work once in a while. And when it works, it works extremely well. But it's not going to be very consistent. Uh, 20 meter kind of is. But if you go any higher, like 21 megahertz, 15 meters, and that's the wavelength, um, it's going to be a hit and miss, you know. So basically, you're going to be using frequencies that are a little bit lower, like 20 meters, 30 meters, and 40 meters mainly. Uh, even 80 meters on a boat would be uh, very difficult because, of course, the lower the frequency, the longer the antenna. So the antenna has ideally has to be a half wave. So if you take uh, 80 meters, uh, half waves are basically 130-some feet. So on a boat, it's, it's pretty hard to, uh, to, to set that up. Uh, I mean, there are tricks to do that, like you mentioned a tuner. But a tuner basically uh, is going to uh, use a lot of the power of your radio to uh, keep itself warm. You know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to going to be radiated through the antenna because, you know, the process of tuning, matching the impedance, uh, it's going to be uh, lost in uh, a lot of energy is going to be uh, lost in heat. So, but uh, I'll mention that again. Uh, as to the license, uh, well, what I did is that, uh, you know, and it's it's really not difficult and, and it's really worth it because uh, it took me a couple of weeks. Uh, basically, I decided to not just try a technician or general, but I decided to, you know, why not just try for extra? And it was, a, you know, a little bit presumptuous on my part. <laughs> but uh, I bought I, I bought the three books uh, from the uh, ARRL and, uh, you know, technician, general and extra. And they have just about the same chapters, so about 15 chapters. And so on day one, I would do chapter one of each book. Day two, I would do chapter two of each book in order. So each chapter that I was studying that day was a little bit more, uh, you know, I had a little more information than the, the previous one. So every time you switch from one book to the other, even though it's the same chapter, the same subject, pretty much, uh, you, you just learn a little bit more every time. And at the end of the day, because uh, you still have to take like, you know, at least a two, three hours a day to do that if you want to do that in two weeks. But uh, and then I would take uh, practice tests on QRZ.com and, uh, you know, do the basically just keep on going. And uh, uh, 
to my surprise, the day I went for the exam, I, I mean, I was pretty sure I was going to get a technician, you know, and, and general. I was pretty confident, but I wasn't confident at all. I, know I, I thought I would not get extra, and I did pass extra. So, uh, and I, uh, so I got, uh, I got my uh, my call sign. And uh, believe it or not, my uh, first contact ever as a ham radio operator was to a French guy, <laughs> which is kind of uh, interesting. Uh, and it was using a CW, so Morse code, with a radio that I uh, that I had built myself, uh, you know, as a kit. And uh, actually, the, the reason why I got into uh, amateur radio was, was to do Morse code. It was, it was very specifically for that reason. It wasn't for sailing, although I, I hadn't, you know, I was starting to, uh, to be interested in sailing at that time, too. And, uh, but it was, it was mostly for, um, well, I could say prepping, you know, radio prepper. It's to be ready, basically, being able to communicate without any infrastructure. Uh, for any reason, and uh, you know, sailing is certainly one of them. Uh, being uh, far from uh, from any kind of uh, you know relay or anything like that. Even you know, I have, I use an uh, I use the satellite system. I have a little uh, a little uh, in reach. Um, at the time, it was uh, well, it was in reach. Uh, I think I, th I think it was bought by uh, Garmin mm -hmm. now. Yeah. But uh, I still have mine. I st it's an older model, but uh, it, it, you know, um, that's what I'm going to be uh, using in case of a real, you know, dire emergency. But the problems, you know, first, it, it, it doesn't work all the time. You know, it, it doesn't mean that because you have satellite system that you can rely on it 100%. Something can happen to it. The weather, you know, if you have like heavy rain, you know, anyone who's has satellite TV, you know, and try to to watch a show on a on a night that you know it's you get heavy rain. It you know sometimes it doesn't doesn't work. So depending on the uh, the uh, the conditions, the uh, um, you know the uh, the weather, you might not your satellite you know system might not uh, might not work, and uh, that's a possibility. Uh, HF will will go through. Radio will go through when when a satellite system won't, and, and there has been cases of uh, that happening. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a uh, and, and and don't quote me on this because uh, I'm not quite sure. It it was years ago that I heard that, but I think that when the uh, the replica of the Bounty, you know, that uh, was in the movie, mm -hmm. was lost offshore Florida, I believe it was. I think they um, they tried to call by uh, maybe they tried to call. With a satellite phone or something like that, couldn't couldn't reach anyone, and I think they finally was able to use uh, I think a system called Winlink to actually send an an email by radio to 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 call for help, you know, and and not everyone made it uh, sadly, uh, but uh, a few people were saved. I believe it was you know by uh, you know radio. I don't think it was a, uh, uh, using a satellite system. So, and also when you have a, a satellite system like an inReach, it's all or nothing. It's either you have a dire emergency or, or you're not going to press the button. But not not all emergencies are you know life and death emergencies. You can have you can be sick. You might be needing 
you know, you, but not sick enough to press the button, basically. And, and you might need, you know, some advice from someone. You might be, you might, you might need advice from, you know, uh, a mechanic. You might need advice from a weatherman. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people that you might just, you know, need information from. And you're not going to use an emergency system to, to do that. You know, um, it's like calling 911 because, you know, you have a flat tire, you know. Uh, it's just not going to do it. So radio allows you to communicate with people around the world, you know, even if it's random. You can ask them to search something on the Internet for you, you know. Who knows? Uh, you, you might be needing some information about a piece of equipment or some procedure that you have to, to, to do. I mean, we can imagine anything, but... Uh, only radio will allow you to do that. You, you, you know, otherwise, uh, or, you know, satellite phone, but satellite phone, the problem is that you, you need to know which number to call, you know, and you might not be, uh, you know, I mean, you, you're going to be calling only one person at a time also. Um, and something I mentioned earlier also uh, is that um, is a question also of power, uh, and I think I'm just, just, <laughs> just moving on here, but uh, a little fast. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you uh, get. get let, let let, you, let's back. Work. Let's back up a lot because uh, a little bit uh -huh. because uh, maybe some of the people that are listening to this are not familiar with, with the things that we and we, you and sure. I are talking sure. about. Absolutely about right. what uh, what the rules are for amateur radio. Amateur radio is. I'm sure everybody knows what ham is to a certain extent, but there's certain uh, certain requirements to get different privileges, privileges in amateur in radio. Amateur radio. Uh, you need uh, to turn down your speaker because of getting feedback. There we go. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. Nope, I'm still hearing myself. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But the first, the first one is line of sight, which is very high frequency. And that's uh, typically that's the two meter band, 144 megahertz, and that is line of sight. That is basically close to the maritime uh, frequencies for just your maritime radio, your VHF maritime radio. Just below. What? Oh, just just below the uh, the, the maritime, uh, the VHF, a marine VHF, basically is the two meter band. Right. Uh, also, there is the uh, the, v, the UHF, uh, which is a 70-centimeter band, and that's uh, around 430 to 440 megahertz. Okay. Also, also line of sight. Right. And so you can do that with the uh, technician license. And the technician license mm -hmm. is probably the easiest of the three amateur licenses to get. Now, when I took the general license, I had to send and receive Morse code at 13 words per minute. That's no longer required, is it? Uh, no, uh, it isn't. And uh, but I, I would highly suggest anyone to to actually do uh, learn Morse code because, of course, Morse code on a boat is, uh, is something that can be extremely useful, not only using radio but you know using uh, light signals, or even a uh, a foghorn, fog you know, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of noise making. Apparatus, or uh, you know, it, it, there are a lot of ways to uh, to use Morse code to communicate. Of course, you have to, you know, you need someone at, on the other hand that you know who knows Morse code. But 
you know, if you have a Navy ship uh, <laughs> passing by, uh, you might be able to uh, to, uh, to use a flashlight and you know maybe uh, maybe get a reply. I mean, but it's and and it's also extremely efficient. So uh, so I wish it. I mean, I don't wish it was still required because I think it's good that it isn't. Because it, it gives access to you know amateur radio to more people who don't necessarily want to spend the time because it's you know it takes a lot of time it's very frustrating uh, it's very worth it but it's very frustrating <laughs> that's for sure so uh, but definitely I would suggest you know anyone to, to wants to uh, to do amateur radio and and, and sail to uh, to learn Morse code as well uh, because it's so efficient and so it's they are still. Uh, so many people are using it today. I mean, some days you can, uh, especially when there is a contest, you can listen to the uh, amateur bands, and it's full uh, of of people uh, using Morse code. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. I think there might be. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more people learning it now that it's not required uh, than you know when it was because. I guess, you know, if you don't force people to, you know, when you force people to learn something, they might, you know, kind of not want to do it just because they have to, uh, you know, and we all kind of, you know, have that little, uh, you know, uh, rebel streak, you know, and uh, uh, we're forced to do something, or ah, I'm not going to do it. Um, but now that it's not required, I think more and more people just uh, basically do it for uh, for the usefulness and the uh, and the uh, and, and and just the pleasure of doing it, basically the the personal achievement. Yeah, I I learned it just by riding a bike bicycle. When I go on my bike rides, I had a back in the time of cassettes. I'd listen to a cassette with Morse code on it, and and uh, and just basically learned it by listening to it. I never really sat down and actually studied mm-hmm. it. I just sat there and listened to it a lot. Learned, you know, sometimes I would hear. Uh, a signal that I didn't understand, like dot 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 dash or something like that. And I say, okay, what is that letter? Oh, uh, uh, that's B. Okay, and then I'd go back and say, okay. So then I remember that when it came around. But it took time. It, but it was not, it was not that difficult. And I need to relearn it again because I want to get back into Morse code or CW again at some point in time. I uh, just watched your latest video, or I'm in the middle. I'm about a third way through your latest video, which is the. <laughs> Building the QRP Labs GQX Mini CW Morse code radio, uh, a sixty a sixty dollar radio. I mean, almost nothing to get into a radio, a high frequency with, radio. With, exactly, and with a global range, right? Uh, let's not forget, and the size of a pack of cigarettes, not even. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, and and the, the big advantage of uh, a lot of uh, and, and that's the reason why I, I build kits because a lot of the uh, smaller uh, QRP meaning low power radios uh, uh, that are, that have still have you know a global uh, reach uh, you cannot find other than in kit form uh, I mean the QCX I think you can buy it actually made uh, you have to pay a little bit more I think it's fifty dollars extra but. Even that is, you know, really worth it because it's, you know, that's not that much money. It's that would be $110. Yeah. Uh, and, and for radio, uh, even low power, of course, you have to learn Morse code. But once again, it's I highly suggest people to do that. Oh, and by the way, uh, do not learn it at anything uh, below 15 watts per minute uh, because you're going to have a very hard time later. To uh, there is a threshold which is at about 13 to 15 
watts per minute, where uh, if you uh, uh, learn it below that, you're going to have a, the uh, bad habit of visualizing uh, dots and dashes. Mm -hmm. and later, it's going to be very hard to get rid of that, of that uh, you know, translation table in your head. So you have to learn it really by the sound. Um, and that's what you did. And you did it the right way. Uh, so to anyone who is going to be uh, who's thinking about learning Morse code, do not learn it below 15 watts per minute, because otherwise you're going to be have a very hard time to go any higher uh, later. And that's what I that's the mistake I made. And now I'm pretty much stuck at like 1820, you know, uh, although that's pretty much the speed that you know, everybody's using, so it's not a, uh, by, by going too fast, you can also limit the number of people that uh, you can talk to, so. Uh, but to, uh, to to come back on uh, on those little radios and, and power, um, especially on a boat, uh, you know, you have uh, lots of radios, in, including marine radios, that are very uh, power hungry. Uh, some of those radios will uh, just draw one to two amps two amps on receive. Now, if the reason that you know, you're calling for help is because let's say you can't start your engine because your batteries are dead <laughs> or nearly dead, your radio is not going to work uh, or it's going to you know, draw the last few amps that you have left. So for, for me, you know, because of course my channel is you know, radio prepper, so it's about prepping, it's about being ready and, and lots of portable operations. So. That means uh, smaller radios, uh, lighter radios, smaller batteries, low current draw, uh, something that's easily portable with still you know, a, a global reach. Uh, when the conditions are right, of course, it's not guaranteed. It's never guaranteed with radio. But um, it's, it's, to me, it's very important to have some kind of gear that's not necessarily because I, I don't know of any marine radio uh, VHF or HF that you know is is low current has a low current consumption, uh, and and to me that's the very important factor because you might not be able to you might have lost the uh, the possibility you know the means to recharge your batteries. Uh, your batteries might be you know empty. Maybe you have uh, some pro maybe you have an electrical problem. Uh, you know. You, you were hit by lightning or, you know, I mean, who knows? You can imagine a lot of things to, that can prevent you from using your onboard uh, batteries for a reason, one reason or another, uh, whether they're, they're empty or, 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 or cannot be used. Uh, so when you have, you know, small power source that you can use, I use, for instance, lots of my radios, I can use either like eight uh, AA batteries, <laughs> which is ridiculously small, um, or I use like 18650 cells, three 18650 cells, and that's uh, those are uh, were used in the old uh, laptop batteries. Now they used in mostly uh, flashlights, you know, things like that. Uh, but they're very common. Um, or you know, any kind of energy source that's you know between nine and 12, 14 volts. Um, you're going to be able to use with 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 some radios that use very little current, uh, like the, the the QCX from qrplabs.com, uh, qrp-labs.com, the website. The QCX, um, I think, draws about, if I'm not mistaken, 30 or 40 milliamps. Oh, very small. Okay, uh-huh. So, you know, you plug that in a battery, uh, even a very small battery, it's, it's going to last forever. Uh, you, you, you can be 
chatting with someone for hours and listening for days, you know, uh, uh, on a car battery, you'd, you'd be set for a month, you know, uh, no problem. Um, and uh, on, on transmit, uh, I think it's probably like 700 milliamps, 800 milliamps. So those radios are really uh, less than a, less than a radical. fluorescent bulb on a boat, or almost less than an LED bulb on a boat. Then, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And now we have uh, not only um, you know voice modes. Voice modes are very uh, power hungry because uh, you know to make a good contact uh, using voice, you uh, you probably want to have at least about ten watts, I would think. Uh, and I'm 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 a big proponent of low power, uh, you know. It's uh, 10 watts SSB. I think is 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 plenty. Uh, most uh, military man packs, uh, man pack radios, for instance, on HF have about you know 25 to 30 watts. And I don't think uh, anybody needs more than that. I think it's and the reason they have that amount of power is just because it's enough. You know, it's the military. They have as much money as they want. Uh, of course, they want something that's portable. But uh, the reason why they use 25 to 30 watts most of the time is because it works and it's enough. Uh, so I've, I never use more than that uh, ever. Uh, most of the time I use, uh, you know, 10 watts SSB or I do a lot of CW, so Morse code. So I use, uh, you know, three to five watts. And that's plenty. Uh, I'm not a advocate of you know using amps uh, amplifiers for the for that very reason for the the, the current draw. Um, so basically, uh, for me, if you know if you can't make contact with five watts uh, CW or you know thirty watts uh, SSB, you have an antenna problem. And and that's the problem on a boat is that uh, it's the antenna because it's very difficult to find a space on a boat to uh, to have an antenna that's, that's the correct length because an antenna ideally should be a half wave long so if you take a band like 40 meters and that's 7 megahertz so the wavelength is 40 meters uh, a half wave is you know of course tw about 20 meters so that's about 65 feet long how are you going to put a 65 feet long antenna on a boat that's pretty hard uh, and of course you have a lot of things that interact with antennas like the rigging the mast you know all that comes into play because the antenna is in close proximity to that of course you have the advantage of having a very nice ground plane that's the ocean you know so that's a big advantage uh, to, to be able to ground your station to the ocean and that gives you a big advantage uh, as far as uh, the power that you're going to be able to radiate. Um, but the antenna is still a problem because the, the one, one side of the antenna, it's going to be the water, basically. The other side of the antenna has to be uh, either, well, it can be a quarter wave because, uh, of course, you have the, uh, you have the ground, uh, the salt water. But uh, still a you know, quarter wave on 40 meters on 7 megahertz or, or the 8 megahertz uh, marine band it's still pretty long, you know, and it's not easy to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to put an antenna like that on a boat. Now, of course, you could, you could make a loop like going from the inside of the boat to the stern, to the top of the mast, to the bow, back inside, and you make, a, you make 
closed loop, loop like that, sorry. So you could make a closed loop and, uh, and tune that with a tuner also. Of course, that has to be insulated from the rest of the rigging and the mast and stuff, and there is going to be some interaction. So it's really hard to uh, kind of uh, know what's going to happen and which frequencies are going to work and which ones are not going to work. So uh, that's a lot of uh, experimentation to do there, and that's the problem with boats is that you're, there's so much rigging and metal up there uh, that uh, it's it's not easy to predict uh, what's going to uh, work and what won't you know what's not going to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your YouTube channel and I see here a, a video of 24 minutes long, building a short 40 meter antenna with coil and AT271 whip. So there's ways you can get around it too, and you, you uh, talk about it a lot in mm-hmm. your channel. Uh, let's quickly. VHF is uh, the novice band, and anything above that, which is going to be the general and 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 uh, advanced licenses, are uh, include all the VHF bands as well as the high frequency bands, which are the bands where you get distance, where it's not line of sight. So if you want right, to be so- a, yeah, if you want to be a ham radio operator on a boat. And you want distance, you need to make sure you get the general or advanced license, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you want to uh, you want to have uh, basically uh, you want a uh, to have a day band and a night band because the the, the uh, refraction in the ionosphere or the other layers of the upper atmosphere is not the same depending on the time of day and the frequency. So uh, let's take the example of uh, CB, for example. Uh, we all know CB radio. Lots of us you know, started with CB radio, and it's on 27 megahertz, so that's 11 meters. 27 megahertz is the, uh, the upper end of HF. HF is about 3 to 30 megahertz. So uh, the higher frequencies actually uh, will not refract as often or at all on the uh, ionosphere. So pretty much the, the highest frequencies that do so uh, is uh, could be like f- maybe 50 megahertz, 6 meters, but it's, it's pretty rare. I mean, it's not that, well, I wouldn't say rare, but it's, it's not that common and uh, it's not something you can rely on. CB also, toward the 10 meter band, so 11 or 10 meters, around 27, 28 megahertz. Uh, that's not very reliable. Let's do just a little bit of math here, because uh, a lot of people are hearing us talk about megahertz and meters. And let's just, uh, and, and you can probably explain this better than I can, but basically uh, megahertz uh, translates to a wavelength, which is measured in meters. And so when you're talking megahertz and meters, you're using those interchangeably because of a mathematical formula that, uh, right. that goes from one to the other. Well, it's, it simply uh, depends on the speed of light. So basically, uh, when you say, um, let's say, 27 megahertz, 27 megahertz means that it's AC, uh, AC current, so the polarity of the current changes. You know, it goes from plus to minus, and it does so 27 million times per second. Now... You know, radio waves travel at the speed of light or, you know, extremely close to the, to the speed of light, uh, depending if it's on, in the atmosphere or, or in space. But uh, the, the length of one cycle, so if you imagine the radio wave going up, 
going back down, going by zero, going down now, negative, coming back up. So you have a nice uh, sinusoid, you know, a, a sign, basically. One cycle at the speed of light will cover a distance of 11 meters. And that's why it's called the, you know, that's why it's 11 meters. So uh, basically it, it's, it, it's a constant, it, it's the speed of light. So if you have a lower frequency, let's say 3.5 megahertz, so that's uh, 3.5 million times per second, you know, changing polarity, uh, it, it covers, one cycle covers a distance of 80 meters. So 268 feet or something like that. And that's why, you know, that's the only, you know, reason. I mean, we, we, we could call it the uh, 3.5 megahertz band. It doesn't matter. But we use, we use wavelengths because it helps us to, uh, to, to know the length of the antenna. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because every antenna is tuned to a wavelength or a fraction exactly. of the wavelength. So. And the higher the frequency, the shorter the antenna. Right. Yep. Unfortunately, I wish it was the opposite. <laughs> that would be a lot easier, <laughs> wouldn't it? So. It would be a lot easier. Yes. Uh, so, uh, big because again, uh, anything that's above, uh, you know, thirty. Uh, I would. I would even say above. Anything that's above the twenty meter band, so above fourteen megahertz, is not going to be uh, very reliable. But twenty meters, so that's fourteen megahertz is going to be very good uh, during daytime. Uh, it's going to work, I'm not going to say all the time, but it's it's going to, to work a, a good chunk of the time, you know, especially now that the uh, the solar cycle, the 11 year solar cycle is coming back. So that's going to be uh, great for us. And 20 meters going to be, uh, you know, working much, much better now, uh, especially to uh, for long distance uh, contacts. And then uh, if you go, if you start to go lower, so anything under 40 meter is going to be much more reliable uh, as, as far as, uh, you know, the band, we say that the band is opened, basically. So, I mean, nobody opens it, you know, it's not like a supermarket, but um, nobody has a switch to turn it on and off. But, but sometimes a, uh, a frequency will will bounce, I mean, refract on the ionosphere, and but sometimes it won't. And you never quite know when that's going to happen. You just know that some bands work better at night, like 40 meters, 7 megahertz, 3.5 uh, megahertz, that's 80 meters. Those bands are mostly evening bands, you know. Uh, so that's the bands you're going to use at night. Uh, during the day, you're going to use, like you did during the day, you going to use 20 meters. It doesn't mean 20, 20 meters can, you know, can work at night too, but generally speaking, uh, 20 meters is going to be more of, if, of a day band and 40 and uh, 80 meters are going to be more of a uh, night band, basically. Okay. Now, you can also use uh, amateur radio for email. And uh, let's talk about mm -hmm. that for a little bit. Uh, absolutely, there is a system called uh, WinLink, which is uh, email over radio. So you have uh, people who set up uh, their own radio stations, their WinLink stations, and those stations are listening all the time. They're listed 
So before your trip, you would download the list of... Uh, actually, you can download it by radio too, but you would you, you need at least to know one of them. Uh, you would download the list of the, uh, of the stations, and uh, during your trip, you might be able to contact certain stations in certain places, and they will um, relay your, your, your email through their uh, equipment, you know, through the internet, and so you can send actually a mail, an email, to someone who is uh, not a, uh, an amateur radio operator, you know, family member, friend, and you can send them an email going through that station, that, that, that uh, ground station or not, and uh, you basically exchange email. Like It's very slow, of course, because you have to send your email, then you have to reconnect to that station later, maybe the next day, to see if you got a, a reply. It's not instantaneous, but uh, it does work well, and uh, I've used it before. And so you can absolutely send a mail by uh, by radio. And I, if I remember well, actually, I think that uh, there was a case where um, it was the uh, the replica of the Bounty, if you remember well. Mm -hmm. That boat sank uh, offshore Florida. There was a hurricane or something like that, and uh, they decided to uh, to go to sea to uh, to uh, to weather the storm, and. Um, I think they tried. I'm not. Don't quote me on that because I'm not. You know, I'm not quite sure of the. I don't remember the details really. But I believe that uh, they could not reach anyone by you know uh, standard means like VHF or, or or satellite, but that they they used Winlink, and w were able to send an email uh, asking for help, and and a few people were saved uh, because of uh, of radio. Because you know satellite uh, systems, when the weather is really really bad and you have a very uh, very heavy rain, for instance, those uh, frequencies are extremely high. They don't they don't penetrate uh, the weather. So I mean, anyone who's watched a, a show on a, on a stormy night, uh, you know, satellite TV uh, will attest to that. Uh, it doesn't always uh, work so well when the weather is really bad and us sailors that's that's when we need <laughs> that's when we need to communicate is is certainly uh if it's to call for help it's it's going to be probably probably during a storm so uh in bad weather yeah now um do you have you also experimented with satellite ham radio communications at all I thought about it. Um, I thought about, uh, especially that here in Europe, we have a, a, a geostationary satellite called QO100, which is above uh, Qatar and covers uh, anything from uh, the uh, east coast of Brazil, if I remember well, to uh, Southeast Asia and up to uh, northern Europe and uh, down to uh, mid-Africa or something like that. So very, uh, very broad coverage. But uh, in, in for, for prepping, which is, you know, what I, what I, I do, um, the problem is, uh, is the complexity of the equipment, basically. Uh, yeah, that's much more complicated, isn't it? Right. Yes. You need a dish antenna and... Uh, you need uh, you need you need you need really specialized equipment to do that, and it's not it's not very uh, very easy. On a boat, it would be very hard to uh, to follow a satellite because you have to point your antenna. Uh, you have to use a, a, a directional antenna, 
and you have to point your antenna at the satellite uh, very precisely to be able to make any kind of you know useful contact. Uh, and most of the uh, amateur uh, satellites are not uh, geostationary. Uh, stationary. Uh, you only have about you know 15 minutes just to uh, basically follow uh, the satellite from one side of the horizon to the other with your antenna. You don't have much time to uh, to establish a contact and uh, and communicate. So it's for me, it's not really um, it's not really practical. I would rather uh, rely on what we use today uh, more and more is, is digital modes. Okay. And uh, so basically, uh, you can have a radio like uh, QRP Labs has a good one. Also, it's called the QDX. Uh, I have a video on that too. Also, the size of a pack of cigarettes, and. Uh, just a few watts, but uh, it's uh, it's a mode that can decode extremely, extremely weak signals. Like uh, I use uh, a mode called JS8, and the program that does that is called JS8 Call, in one word. It's uh, related to FT8, uh, so the, the, you know, the hams will recognize that. But basically, your radio is connected to your computer, and uh, the radio is connected to the antenna, of course. It's just a little box, you know. You have a USB cable, the power cable, and the antenna cable. That's it. Three cables come out of that box. There's no screen. There's no button. There's no nothing. Uh, so USB, power, antenna. Uh, you connect that to your computer uh, with a USB cable, and you start the program, JS8 Core, and that allows you to contact, uh, to make extremely long distance contacts and, you know, chat with people. You can even relay uh, messages through other stations and you can actually leave messages to people also. So let's say you're on your boat, you're by yourself and you're, uh, you know, the weather is pretty bad. You're not going to have a radio uh, uh, on the, uh, at the helm because it's, you know, it's going to be soaked and uh, you can lose it. And so your radio could be on in the cabin. Uh, turned on, you know, seeping, you know, few milliamps of current, and you could receive a message from from a friend, and you know later, you know when you, you know when the weather allows, or you know when when you get somewhere, or or you you, you know someone someone actually uh, takes your uh, you know takes their, their turn at the uh, at the rudder at the helm, uh, you could go check your messages, and you, you could have messages waiting for you. And that's absolutely amazing because uh, that's that's a fairly new development. Uh, well, it's not that new, but uh, more and more people are using it now because uh, it's uh, it's so useful and it uses so uh, little power. And I uh, recently actually I have a friend uh, who's also a sailor, Ray. Uh, Ray, if you hear this, <laughs> uh, you know my uh, greetings to you. Uh, Ray, uh, who used to be actually uh, in uh, Army Signal Intelligence, he is uh, a sailor as well, and uh, we did an experiment last time, and I, I tried to uh, to contact him, and uh, it, I, I thought I had failed because you know, right now we're still at the bottom of the well, not the bottom, but we're, we're coming up on the uh, solar cycle, so it's still pretty hard to, to contact the U.S. and I only had about uh, two watts, two and a half watts of power into a magnetic loop antenna on my balcony, which was not turned the right way. 
and uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty good antenna, but uh, you know we're still talking about a couple watts. And actually, he sent me a report that uh, his, ta- his station heard me, uh, heard my signals uh, in Virginia. Oh. From so that's, that's transatlantic yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Using a couple of watts. And uh, it's, but it's not uncommon with those modes, especially that a mode that can decode uh, for those who are more you know, technically inclined, uh, that can hear signals that are 24 decibels below noise level, which is absolutely unheard of. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's pure magic. <laughs> it's just <laughs> incredible. Uh, it's the things we can do with, uh, with radio today uh, that we couldn't do, we couldn't dream of uh, just, uh, just a few years ago. Just 10 you know, years ago, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The digital modes now. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the digital modes, just be, for the fact that you have to use a computer. So, of course, you know, that's one more tool. That's one more thing to carry around. Of course, on a boat, it doesn't matter as much. But uh, you could use a Raspberry Pi, for instance. Oh, yeah, for tiny, a computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tiny little computer. Uh, and, and a GS8 core will run on the Raspberry Pi with a tiny screen that can be, you know, Velcroed to your, you know, to a bulkhead or something. Uh, uh, and, and that's what I plan on doing is, is to use... Uh, to use uh, a Raspberry Pi to run a GS8 call. I'm going to run OpenCPN, that you might know, uh, well-known software for uh, navigation, um, for open source for sailors, and uh, and other programs that I uh, that I might be running for uh, for sailing and uh, probably on a Raspberry Pi. Hmm. To, because on a 20-footer, uh, you, you you know I have a couple of batteries, but they're not that big, and uh, I can't afford to. Um, Everything is at a premium on a small boat, you know. Uh, water reserves, food, uh, electricity. Uh, I don't have much deck space for solar panels. Actually, pretty much nothing. Uh, so it's that's going to be a big concern of mine is to uh, produce enough electricity, either by uh, wind power or solar power, to recharge my batteries. And and that's why I, I want amateur radio equipment because. Nothing in the uh, marine marine uh, realm of uh, you know gear of, of equipment is is has such a low current draw, you know, compared to those uh, QRP you know low power radios, and that's 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 why I want to use that because I know it's going to work. I know it's going to work much better. Um, yeah. Now let me talk to you. Just we've run about an hour now, and I like to limit it. But I want to cover one more topic before we go, and that is um, uh, the, the primarily in the United States the two meter band, uh, which is tied to repeaters, which gives them additional distance. So, for instance, I bought a very cheap radio that you can get on Amazon for around twenty five to thirty dollars, a Bofeng uh, two meter handheld radio. And from my kitchen in Salt Lake City, I connected to a repeater, which connected to another repeater, which connected to another repeater. And probably my first contact, and one of my only contacts, because I don't use it that much, was a guy in his car driving up uh, towards uh, the Washington border from Boise, a long ways away, probably 400 miles away from me. And what's it like in Europe, in the Mediterranean area, with two-meter repeating signals? We're pretty. Uh, it's pretty. It, it works pretty well for the simple reason that uh, uh, 
you know, my region here is called the Alpes Maritime, so you have the word Alps in there, and mm -hmm. Alps, uh, that's pretty tall, you know. I mean, it's the pre-Alps, but uh, we have pretty tall mountains, and I do a lot of outings, uh, if you watch my videos, mm -hmm. on, uh, on uh, you know, local or semi-local uh, summits, you know, that are, you know, any anything from a thousand meters to uh, to uh, two thousand meters altitude. And I remember talking to a guy directly from uh, from a, a two thousand meter altitude it was in uh, Sardinia, so that was that was about two hundred miles, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. direct line of you know direct, without any uh, repeater. Uh, there are repeaters along the coast everywhere, so that's and, and they're, they're easy to reach because they're of course on summits, so they are pretty high up. So of course the higher up. Um, that the uh, the repeater is the, the further out you can uh, reach it because of course the limiting factor and people don't sometimes don't notice is that uh, is the curvature of the earth mm -hmm. because um, and that's why you put your your marine antenna VHF on top of the mast because uh, you know you 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 cover a lot more ground like that because you don't you're, you're not limited by the curvature so uh, if you take two two people that are six foot tall. Uh, it, it starts to become a problem at about 10 miles, you know, they're using walkie-talkies because of their height and, and the ground, the ground that's going to be obstructing the line of sight. Now, it does happen sometimes, and people who use marine v VHF notice it too, that you can hear some stations directly that are hundreds and hundreds of miles away, uh, it, it, even longer than that, and that's because of, you know, some propagation phenomenon where uh, the radio waves won't—they don't bounce on the ionosphere, but it will—they will refract on uh, temperature inversions, for instance. So they can—they can bounce between temperature inversions if you have, say, two temperature inversions, or they could bounce between a temperature inversion and the uh, the surface of the water. Uh, so uh, that's called a tropospheric uh, ducting if it's between two. Uh, uh, Temperature inversions, or I mean, the, the different ducting propagation, it's it gets pretty esoteric. You know, sometimes it's hard to to uh, to even uh, determine which type of propagation is at play. But once in a while, even two meters VHF will go very very far, and usually it doesn't last very long. And usually it's more like during the summer uh, or midday, you know. But but it does happen uh, sometimes. So uh, there are times when you know you're in the middle of the middle of the ocean, and you think that you know you can't see anyone, and you you you, you don't believe you're going to be able to reach anyone. But if you just tried, it just you just might be lucky enough that it's one of those moments when uh, the propagation, the, the, those those ducts are going to be open. And uh, your your signal can go very very far. So it's sometimes it's worth a try. You know, just uh, you never know. Radio, some weird things happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you put out a video about one uh, VHF handheld radio which could act as a repeater on its own. But I've thought so. For instance, where I have our our home up in the Uinta Mountains, we're in a narrow mountain range, and where I hike is often up around the corner and it's no longer line of sight of where my house is. So when right. I round that corner, uh, up there we don't have any cell signal either, so I round that corner and I lose communication with my house. Uh, but I could easily put a repeater on, on 
up there, which would still keep me in line of sight. And one way to do that is uh, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on connecting two Bofang radios to each other, and one receives and the other one transmits and uh, slightly different right. frequencies. And that's easy to do, and it's easy to jury rig in an emergency. And, but you ha- actually had one radio that you talked about, which would do it by itself without having to have two radios I think connected. It was the, uh, I think it was the RT Ritevis, yes. uh, Ritevis mm-hmm. RT, RT23, if I remember well. So it's a cross-band repeater, meaning that uh, it receives on UHF and, and transmits on, H, on uh, VHF. So it receives, let's say, on 70 centimeters, so that's 430-some megahertz, and, and retransmits that on, on the 2-meter band, so 145, 46 megahertz. And, and on the other side, it receives, on, of course, on VHFs and transmits on UHF. So that's the way they, they're able to do that, is to, to do it on, the, on a different band. So you receive and transmit on a different band. Uh, as opposed to having a repeater that's going to receive and transmit on the same band, but they use very sharp filters to uh, to uh, basically uh, separate the two signals. You know, as to of course you have a little uh, handheld uh, walkie-talkie that does repeater. Uh, you have to use different bands because they can't have the the, the, the filtering. They don't have the filtering uh, capability to do that. Um, Another way to do that, to, to go over a, uh, a mountain or, you know, if you're stuck in a valley or something, is to uh, use a very a pretty low frequency, so below 10 megahertz, so between uh, 2 and 10 megahertz. So m- mostly it's 5, uh, the 60-meter band, so 5 megahertz, or, or the 40-meter band, uh, uh, 7 megahertz, or even 3.5 megahertz, that's the 80-meter band. And I'm, I know I'm going fast here, but... So basically a lower frequency and you use a horizontal antenna. So an antenna, you have to know that uh, the signal is, is radiated uh, perpendicular to the, to the antenna, to the wire or to the, to the antenna whip. So it's perpendicular to it. So uh, for example, your uh, VHF marine antenna, which is on top of your mast, is a vertical antenna. So the signal is uh, is radiated perpendicular to that, so basically uh, goes to the to the horizon. Uh, but if you put your uh, if you have a, uh, a horizon, horizontal antenna on a low frequency, because it doesn't work on the higher frequencies, but on a lower frequency below 10 megahertz, uh, it's going to send the signal straight up, and it will refract on. Uh, on, on the uh, ionosphere and, and rain back down in a uh, regional pattern, basically. So that's what uh, people use to uh, talk to their, uh, I'm not going to say neighbors, but, uh, you know, within a few hundred miles, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can use that. And it's called NVIS, if you want to research the subject, Near Vertical Incidence Skywave. Uh, it's used a lot by the military, um, and it's very easy to string, uh, you know, to string up an antenna. I use it on 80 meters portable, for instance, where I just take a 134 foot wire that I string at, you know, as high, you know, on bushes basically, you know, six feet high, seven, seven foot from the ground, seven feet from the ground, and you know, it's a long antenna, but it doesn't have to be very high as long as it's away from the ground. You string that, um, you know. Uh, to its full length, even if it, it's not exactly straight, I've 
use different trees, you know, and, and I've made antennas that were like the shape of a Z or, you know, a W or, you know, as long as it's not, you don't really go uh, above 90 degrees, you know, and you can kind of stretch that antenna as straight as you can, you know, uh, just a few feet from the ground. And you can make amazing contacts just with a few watts uh, up to a few hundred miles. And in Europe, it's uh, it, it's used quite a bit, actually. Uh, the military uses it. And on a boat, I don't know how you would do that. Yeah. You could have... Uh, you could have an antenna make a V, an inverted V, probably using the top of your mast as the uh, the top of the inverted V, or you could have a magnetic loop antenna. Uh, but that um, that could not on 20 footer. That would be kind of big. But uh, mine, uh, magnetic loop antenna. I'm not going to go into details because people are going to. We're going to lose everyone. <laughs> we'll lose, yeah, we've got, and and we've gone on quite a ways. I want. I'm, I, and, I you may, know, but you know, we we, we could talk, we could talk about this for days. I know no, we could, and I'm, uh, I'm going to vast subject. I'm going to try to get uh, you back for another interview, uh, but we've gone on <laughs> about an hour and 15 minutes already. So, Gil, right, thank you yes, so much. Before we should stop there. It's, they, it's already, it's it's so much material already. Um, <laughs> and it's and, late and, at night and, where you're at. You're, it's probably, what, 9 o'clock at night where you're at? Oh, now it's uh, 9.30 p.m., yes, Okay, sir. okay. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, to you know, any anyone listening, uh, don't hesitate to to reach out to me uh, if you want. Especially sailors, I'm going you know, to welcome all sailors, of course. Well, now I'm okay. Let's talk about how they contact you because I went to your website and all it is is a picture. And in fact, it's right in front of me right now. And I would say, well, okay, what do I do with this picture? What's uh, what's uh, going well, on with your website there? Okay, so. Um, of course, there is the uh, the uh, YouTube channel, so that's right. Radio mm-hmm. Papa, mm-hmm. Radio Prepper, uh, P.A.P. Blah. I'm mixing my French and my English. Okay, I got it right in front of me. It's uh, just uh, Radio Prepper, Radio Space radio Prepper. Prepper. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and uh, there is Radio Preppers, Radio Preppers with an S, RadioPreppers.com. Oh, that might be it because I just put, okay, that's. Well, that's okay. All right, somebody took this domain name, Radio Prepper, and that's what I'm Preppers. looking at. So I got to put and an Radio S on Prepper that. Radio Prepper on YouTube and RadioPreppers.com. Uh, there, there is the uh, the Facebook. Uh, you know, the Facebook group might be the the easiest actually. Yeah. Uh, Radio Preppers uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Because the only way I was able to con- connect with you because I couldn't find your email on any of these places because now I'm on Radio Preppers, is you're also on Thingiverse. And Thingiverse yes. is, a, uh, is a place where you put up designs for 3D printing. 3D and, I've got printing. In, yeah, and I've got into 3D printing over the last four or five months because i got a, uh, a 3D printer, and I've printed out a, a bunch of stuff for my boat. And you, uh, you designed Absolutely. some, some things. Useful. Yeah, you designed some things, and you have a... Uh, and you, as, as a good person, you're contributing your designs to Thingiverse, and I was able to connect with you by writing you a message on Thingiverse, but I still could not find your email address. <laughs> so, anyway. well, it's a, it's a, you you can send messages to uh, so Gil uh, G I L at radioprepper's.com. Ah, okay, so radioprepper's.com. So Gil G I L. At radio r a d i o preppers p r e p p e r s dot com. Well, you're going into my uh, file with that email and all the other emails I have for you. Thank right. you, Gil. And I and I and don't despair if I don't reply right away because I don't check that address every single day. 
but uh, but but I do, and uh, and I reply to uh, every single message. But I really encourage people to uh, subscribe to uh, to the YouTube channel, um, definitely, because there's a lot of information on there. There's a lot of information on RadioPropers.com, the forum also. Uh, that's a forum. Um, yeah, I'm looking at and it I'll, right you know, now. I'll answer any question uh, you, you guys uh, might have, especially uh, regarding boats, because it's something I really have thought about uh, a lot, because it's it's one of my, you know, as you said, it's very important to be able to communicate. And, uh, I mean, you've lived it. You've, you've crossed the Atlantic. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And uh, you were able to communicate uh, on the way. Otherwise, you would have been in the dark. Yeah, and we did, have, we did have a minor medical emergency on the boat between the uh, East Coast and the Azores. And we oh. were able to communicate with uh, a physician to, uh, to deal with it. Basically, one of my crew members, uh, in, in grabbing the other crew member to keep him from all, falling overboard, really tore out uh, his shoulder. And uh, there's not, you know, we basically confirmed that all we could do is, you know, tie it, keep it, keep it immobile as much as possible. But on a bouncy boat, that's right. almost impossible anyway. But sure. uh, there, there wasn't, we weren't going to operate or do anything else. But I did have a good first aid kit if, if he needed any drugs or some things like that. But nothing really we could do. But at least we were able to confirm that we were doing the best that we could. So... Absolutely. Well, information can be uh, can be vital, you yes. know, and that's uh, that's really the lesson here, is that uh, it's you you shouldn't rely on only one way to communicate, and and you should have multiple ways to communicate, and uh, uh, you know, and and in amateur radio that we have multiple ways to communicate within amateur radio, uh, there are so many different um, means to uh, to make contact. You know, uh, Morse code, digital modes, voice modes. Uh, it's just you know different bands, different frequencies. Uh, it's just endless. It's an endless uh, pool of possibilities that uh, that can be used uh, on a boat. You know, and that's uh, uh, it's really something that you know every sailor should definitely uh, look into. Well, if you're a prepper, there's a saying that two is one and one is none. So one is oh, none, exactly. That's right. One that's is none because something's always going to go wrong, and you need to have a backup. Oh, yeah, and on a boat, I would say, uh, you know, two is none and three is two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's, uh, three is me, one is uh, none, two is, <laughs> two is one, one is none, the, three is me, yeah. The salt water does, uh, does a number on electronics, you know. Uh, it does, yes. Uh, because the amateur equipment is not protected as much as the, uh, as the uh, marine equipment. And uh, I've, I've had a, I had to send a radio in for repairs that uh, goes, you know, splashed with a a few drops of salt water, you know, just enough to uh, to oxidize the uh, board, and uh, it, it it was done. Yep. Um, yep. Happy. It doesn't take much. Even the, the connectors, the connectors, same thing. Antenna connectors, um, uh, antennas, anything that's that's not protected is going to be uh, suffering uh, greatly on a boat. And uh, and 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 we uh, we could we could keep about talk about you know. Um, Lightning protection and all those things. Let's let's come back and do another interview in another month a month month or so. I'm only doing a <laughs> only doing podcast. Well, well, let's see let's see how this one does first. <laughs> okay, all right. Thank you, Gil. But definitely, yeah, definitely. I'll uh, I'll be back. All right, anytime. Th th thanks a lot, Gil. You're welcome. Thank you very much.
Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments, please write me, franz1 at medsailor.com, and also consider becoming a Patreon. Just go to the podcast, medsailor.com, and there's a spot there where you can sign up to be a patron if you like. I always like to have emails from, from you guys, and if you're ever in Salt Lake, be sure to reach out to me. If you're skiing, I'd love to go skiing with you. If you're not, I'd just love to have a cup of coffee with you. I'd like to meet you guys.